0: The cattle market was higher and the lean hog market was mixed. The grain markets were mixed too, and the product market was widely mixed. But let's get back to the livestock. How much longer are you willing to wait until you lock in some prices with live cattle at contract highs? Live
1: from calendar 23 squared day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri.
0: I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, now
1: the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All
0: right, Davis. Thank you so much, buddy. How are you today?
1: Oh, super terrific.
0: 529. 529. 529. Okay. Sold. Sold. That's 23 squared. Oh, no kidding. I think so. Is that a prime number? 529? Yeah. 529. no i don't think so
1: about a fibonacci three is it in the snail shell thing at all
0: it might might be be a prime number it might be a prime number but the squared numbers i don't know why i'm kind of a goofball that way really you just know them Uh, well i i don't know get a calculator out and check me on it i i think it's 529 when you said it that's the number that came to my mind i didn't know if i was going to say it or not but there it is there i'm out there with it now yeah
1: no kidding let me yeah. see. Hold on. Let me get huh? my calculator. This takes a minute. It just <laughs> takes a minute. 23. <laughs>
0: five, okay, now 23. you got me nervous. No,
1: you're right. It's it's really? uh, 529. 529. Okay. That's exactly All right. right. All right. There you um, go. Not a prime number. What about Fibonacci?
0: Welcome to AgriTalk. We're just going to Google <laughs> stuff today. It's, we got a great show. Googling we are not. Stuff. We are not going to just Google stuff today. There's Fault. no way, no how, because Scott Brown, we could do it for like the next eight minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, we could do something like that. Um, But, but I think it's really important that we get to the conversation in the next segment with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri to talk about what's going on in the cattle market, the hog market. I want to start with the inventory numbers that we got in the cattle report earlier this week and just get Scott's take on what he thinks it means for this market going forward. Because um, it's a little, you know, I even said it this morning. It's a little easy to get really concerned about where we are in this cattle, I don't want to say market, uh, in in the cattle industry Mm -hmm. when it comes to matching up supplies with demand. And like I said, now, if the the supply tightens up enough that a ribeye steak is $30 a pound, well, okay, it's easier to meet that kind of demand because demand isn't going to be what it is today. I get that. But. Um, I would like people to have the beef they want, okay? Hmm. And okay. it happens at today's price because we're moving a, a good amount of beef. So well, how, do, how do we balance all of this? And most importantly, when we've got marketing opportunities like we've got for the nearby and the deferred contracts, shouldn't we be taking advantage of that? We're going to talk about that with Scott, plus the structure of the markets with – Because we've kind of, not kind of, we've got a, uh, I guess, kind of a flat market in the cattle. But, Mm -hmm. boy, there's a big premium in the back month hogs. And I want to talk about whether or not that's justified. Okay. All right. Let's get to the news. What do you got?
1: Well, this just in. A 529 plan is a tax-advantaged savings plan designed to encourage (laughs) saving for future education costs. In other news, wheat futures turned lower when the U.S. dollar turned higher following the release of the January employment data that showed a much larger than expected jump in non-farm payrolls and the lowest unemployment rate since 1969. March hard red winter wheat futures traded on both sides of 875 this week and today posted a second consecutive close below the opening range. After opening slightly lower March SRW wheat futures rallied through resistance at yesterday's high. And at psychological resistance at 775, that spike of 775 triggered a round of profit taking and sent front month SRW to a low range close. March hard red winter wheat futures were seven and three quarter cents lower, 873. March soft red wheat down four and one quarter to 756 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 921 and one half down three and one quarter cents chip.
0: All right, in this wheat market, sorry, uh, in this wheat market, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a taste of what's going on in the new crop markets on Fridays from now on too. Uh, Today, July SRW week closed at seven seventy one and three quarters. That was up eleven and three quarter cents on the week. July HRW eight fifty seven and three quarters, up four and a half cents this week. And September spring wheat futures. 890 and three quarters up eight and one half cents this week.
1: Well, Chip, the corn market had a weak bias this week, but the longer term trend is sharply sideways, with March corn trading between six seventy and six ninety. The threat that drought stress will intensify in Argentina limited selling pressure in the corn market, as did the late January surge in corn export demand. With the market's renewed focus on trade, today's strength in the US dollar index limited price strength. Word that Brazil will end a tax exemption on ethanol imports from the United States put the corn market on the defensive early in the session, with March futures making new lows for the week. After seven consecutive sessions with front month corn on both sides of 680, that pivot point topped today's price action. March corn futures two and one quarter cents higher, 677 and a half. May corn up one and three quarter cents, 675 and a half. July corn futures closed
0: at six sixty-four and three quarters, up one and three quarter cents, Chip. Okay, March corn on the week was down five and one half cents. December corn closed this week at five ninety six up eight and three quarter cents. So you got the old crop down five and a half, the new crop up eight and three quarters.
1: Argentina's drought was in clear focus of the soy complex this week. March soybean meal futures spiked psychological resistance at 500 bucks a ton before setting back to end the day in the upper half of the day's trading range. March bean oil futures followed sharp losses in the crude oil market and accelerated action in the soy product spread market. While meal traded to a new contract high, March bean oil fell to the lowest level since December 12 when the market bottomed at 58.50. Trend accelerations in opposite directions in the products left the bean market caught in the middle with just modest losses. Uh, One last thing here, Chip. The EA announced the sale of 132,000 metric tons of U.S. beans for delivery to an unknown destination in the uh, 23-24 marketing year. Yeah. March beans, two and a quarter cents lower, 15.32. May beans, down two and one quarter, 15.25 and one half. July beans closed at 15.16 and one half, down two cents, Chip.
0: All right, get this. March bean oil on the week down one hundred and fifty six points. March soybean meal on the week up twenty-three dollars. Big move there. March beans up twenty two and a half cents. November soybeans, thirteen sixty nine and three quarters, up eighteen and one half cents.
1: April, uh let's see. March cotton, one hundred nine points lower, eighty
0: five thirty. Getting ahead of myself. Chip. Yep.
1: Uh on the week,
0: December cotton down forty three points.
1: While April live cattle futures posted a new contract high and traded above 164 for the first time, expectations that market-ready supplies will tighten and packers will eventually have to bid aggressively to cover needs, there was even speculation late in futures trade that this week's cash market could end with solid gains. April cattle 30 cents higher, 164.12. March feeders 17 and one half cents higher, 186.10. And Feb hogs were lower again today, with that contract still at a premium to the cash index. April hogs, 47 and one half higher, 86.47 and one half
0: chip. All right. April live cattle on the week up $3.30. Nice move in the April cattle. March feeder cattle up $2.62 and one half cents. And get this. April hogs up one tick, up two and a half cents on the week. We've got Scott Brown, University of Missouri, up next here on AgriTalk.
1: Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more
0: do you need to know? All right. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Glory. Glad that you are with us today. Davis Michelson is here as well. Hello. Yeah. All right. Um, We're going to talk livestock. Uh, We haven't talked livestock much at all this week, and we're going to get into it big time today. Scott Brown is Associate Extension Professor for Market and Policy and the Interim Director of the Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center at the University of Missouri, and he joins us right now. Scott, it's good to talk with you again. How are you?
4: I'm doing good, Chip. Good to talk to you as well.
0: All right, man. Um, I've been thinking about you because, obviously, I knew that I had you on the agenda here or on the schedule for, for today, but ever since that report came out, Earlier this week, the cattle report that gives us the inventory of the the U.S. cattle herd. A couple of items in there that I want to get to, but I want to get your take on it before I even start to throw any numbers out. What did you think?
4: Well, we certainly got confirmation chip of uh, we got fewer cattle and, and uh, cows out there at this point, and And it just tells me uh, we're going to get awful tight on cattle inventory as we look over the next, uh, I don't know, I'll say 18 to 24 months at this point. Um, lowest cow numbers, uh, since 1962 ought to tell us something about, uh, you know, where we're headed in this industry.
0: Okay. Uh, where does it tell us,
4: where are we headed? <laughs> so to, to me, there's an opportunity for some really strong prices for cattlemen in the next 18 months or so at a minimum. Um, you know, I'm a little hesitant to, to call record yet, uh, and and I only say that because yeah, I need strong demand to go along with this very weak supply, and I think to get us there. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm a little hesitant to be ready to call for record prices yet. But boy, I'll tell you what, we're going to be much much tighter than we've been for a while. And when you think about margins from uh, farm to 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 packer they're going to, they're narrowing. They're going to get likely narrower as they compete harder for cattle. When you think about what feed yards are going to be potentially willing to pay with higher corn prices, uh, all those things are going to factor into this. What ultimately do we get in terms of cattle prices when the year's done?
0: Yeah. It, it, it feels like, um, I don't want to say that the tide is rising any, any more either. because we are at, at lofty prices. Can they get higher? Absolutely. It just feels like a period of perpetually high water. Uh, bank full rivers whatever you want to say for this cattle industry as we go forward, at least on the pricing side. Uh, demand at a minimum, I think is good enough to hold us at prices that will be profitable for the cattle for the feed yard. Uh, I think they'll be profitable for the cow calf operator. the The question then is, how much more lift can we put into the market by way of demand? And after that jobs report this morning, Scott, I don't know what I don't know what model to use to try to figure out what is really juicing this economy. But there is something in it.
4: Yeah, for, for sure. I You made me uh, say out loud, I, I wish I would have been a livestock economist 30 years ago. I think it was easier back then, and I'm sure there were <laughs> other issues then. But uh, the the, th- the things we face today seem like uncharted territory every time it we is. turn around. Yeah. Um, I, I will say to, to, to this whole discussion, the idea that I think demand for many of our ag products is becoming more inelastic. So very small changes in supplies getting us from record highs to record lows in in short periods of time. I'm afraid that volatility is not gone anytime soon, right. and and we have seen some some real structural change. But who would have thought we would have added 514,000 jobs uh, in in December, given we've been trying to cool the economy by raising interest rates? So it looks like generally demand is there. I still worry that there's the potential for downside risk there that producers need to, to cover. Um, I will say I'm still worried about hay prices, chip, and yep. profitability to cow calf producers. At the end of the day, okay. tell me how much corn we get in the ground and what yields look like. Uh, yep, to, I, we could have much. We could have higher corn prices than we've seen for a while. We could have much lower ones if we put a really good crop in the bin. Yep, all, all those things add a lot of uncertainty for cattlemen today.
0: Yeah, you know, I it, I just have a feeling, and I, I'll just throw up a, a scenario for you. Um, it is raining in the Western Belt. It's the end of June. Things look really pretty good out there. We're, we've got at least 60% of the corn crop in good to excellent condition from east to west. Everything's looking fine. And to me, under that scenario, Scott, I'll give you a corn price to shoot for at the end of the year called five bucks. If we're sitting at five bucks at the end of the calendar year, the cattle market and cattle feeding looks pretty good, doesn't it?
4: Absolutely. So, so you point a scenario that very well could could be true at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, we we get pasture back in some of the worst areas that we've seen, and we put a big corn crop in the bin. All those things change the outlook. Uh, I think a lot, and and could be then. You know, I think about fall feeder cattle prices. Where are they going to be? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, for me man. a lot of that has to do with corn prices. Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. Um <laughs> I I was dreaming about this scenario to get around to this sector of the the uh the industry. Okay. Now same scenario. It's the end of June. We do have some moisture out there. Corn crop is looking good. The pastures are coming back. Do you want to be sitting on a pen full of 700-pound black steers, or do you want to be setting with two loads of bred
4: black heifers? <laughs> so I, I will say, you know, when you look at what we've been already seeing in terms of some bred cow, cow-cat pears, bred heifers, we're already seeing some heat in that market. And I, I think we're, we're starting to see some areas of the country who are anticipating building back in 2023 um, those, those heifers may make you a lot of money those bread heifers <laughs> might might be the right trick right now
0: <laughs> i hear you uh that is another type of demand test that we are going to go through because scott uh, here's, here's another scenario that has rolled around in my head a couple of times what if that weather and and crop scenario is playing out, and the demand for those bred heifers doesn't show up? Th- then it's a it's a change in in, in on the management side. I, we, then we've got guys that have left the business and aren't coming back, uh, herds that have been reduced and aren't going to be rebuilt, and it scares me.
4: For for, for sure, uh, you know. So so Chip, I sometimes like to remind folks that. I think the structure of the cow-calf industry will have changed coming through this round. Some of the smaller traditional operations we might talk about who were financially never gonna be harmed uh, enough to have to leave, but have now gotten old enough and the next generation's not there. Right. Um, And and the technology that we're using today on these uh, beef cow operations, is not scale neutral, so I, I'm. My anticipation is we're changing the structure pretty quickly this time through, and that may have a lot to do with how response happens going forward. Who grows, who doesn't grow? Yeah, but boy, if that
0: if, if that ends up being the case, and you, and I'm not predicting that. I I think the demand for those uh, again for those bred heifers. I think that demand would show up under improved weather conditions out there. There's a generation that is still willing to do it. Um but boy if it if it doesn't that's that's where I or the big reason that I've been talking about this cattle industry it feels like it's an industry kind of on the edge as we look forward and and we're going to prove a lot when the rains do come and the pastures do come back uh, we've, we've got a lot to prove. So from a cow, calf producers and, and looking at that, uh, that feeder cattle market, are there some, some opportunities for some risk management out there right now, Scott, or is it still kind of a, a fed cattle markets market?
4: Yeah. So I, so I look, you know, a little bit longer term and say, Relatively inexpensively, I can provide myself some downside risk protection, and and I, I will say, well, I was looking at LRP contracts recently. Yeah. Uh, for for a dollar, I could have a pretty reasonable uh, kind of of downside covered. I I hope I never use that insurance, yeah. uh, but but it might it might be time to start thinking about those those kind of opportunities and we don't tend to do that very often in the cattle industry but just given where we oh. sit right now the last thing i want is we get 10 months down the road or we get 15 months down the road and somebody said hey we were 10 months ago talking about record prices and they yeah. didn't show up right and, and okay this is where how much risk can you afford i hope folks will look hard at taking advantage of those things.
0: How much risk can you afford? We're going to go through that thought process when we come back.
4: From
2: powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. The UN Food and Ag Organization Global Food Price Index dropped for the 10th straight month in January. Agriculture consultancy ICAR has cut its forecast for Russia's 2023 wheat crop by 3 million metric tons due to weather issues in some areas. The International Monetary Fund says China must make reforms to keep state firms competitive continue opening up and gradually lift the retirement age if it wants to maximize its growth potential president joe biden announced brian deese his top economic aide will step down as director of the national economic council the department of energy is asking congress to halt the sales of 26 million more barrels of oil from the strategic petroleum reserve and resolutions of disapproval of the biden administration's wotus rule will not likely have the votes in the senate News of notice taken from the pages of ProFarmer Tribe, ProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk.
0: All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. We're in the middle of a conversation with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri. Talking proteins. Uh, Before we get back to Scott, let's go ahead and recap where the markets closed, Davis.
1: Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were seven and three quarter cents lower at 873. March soft red wheat down four and one quarter, 756 and three quarters. March corn futures were two and one quarter cents higher, 677 and one half. July corn closed at 6.64 and three quarters up one and three quarters cents. March soybean futures two and one quarter cents lower, 15.32. July beans closed at 15.16 and one half down two cents today. March cotton 109 points lower, 85.30. Livestocks, April live cattle 30 cents higher, 164.12 and a half. March feeders 17 and one half higher at 186.10. And April lean hog futures forty seven and one half cents higher, but eighty six forty seven and one half. Chip, that is your quick market recap. Now back to you.
0: All right, thank you very much, Dave. It's Scott Brown is an associate extension professor, there at the University of Missouri, the livestock specialist uh, and and marketing specialist down there. Uh, okay, so we were talking about that that decision making process of how much risk you can really afford. Walk me through that, Scott, what, what, what does that decision-making look
4: like? Well, I th- I think most important for, for folks is it's not one size fits all. Uh, you know, Chip, we have operations out here who are are borrowing no money. Uh, they, they can certainly self-finance that risk side a lot better than those that are more yeah. highly leveraged. Um, I I so for those with carrying more debt load, you know making sure that that 2023 and 2024 are, are as positive for them as, as possible and using a little risk management might make sense and, and I will say you know I my, my quota and it's a little more than a dollar but but some of those very cheapest uh, LRP contracts out there for October uh, to, to me look pretty attractive for a small amount of money. okay
0: all right yeah and the rising interest rate environment changes that just how much risk you can afford to carry
4: for for sure interest rates pay prices i mean you name the input right yeah. these these producers face they're all higher and i think that's the 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 piece of the story that we can't forget to talk about is that the prices in 2014 that were record levels that generated Years that I always said, even Scott Brown can make money in the cattle business, um, aren't going to generate the same level of profitability in 2023 and 2024. So we've got more risk because of the dollars we have out there in the input side of the equation. All right.
0: What do you think of the structure of the live cattle futures right now? The February 160, 27, April jumps up to 164. But then we lose that premium June back down to one sixty twenty seven. I mean, flat with the February contract. August one fifty nine sixty five, and then it jumps back up in October to that one sixty four level. It 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 doesn't seem very organized to me right now.
4: So, so I think we have a lot of folks trying to figure out what's this all mean. How short are we going to get uh, in in terms of cattle numbers? So, I I think you. Uh, are, are correct to remind us we can probably throw normal seasonal patterns out the window uh, in, in a year like this, if we continue to get as short as I think we could, you know, you, you reminded me of the scenario chip of if, if heifer demand gets really strong and we start holding back a lot of heifers, mm-hmm. the hole we put out there in terms of beef production will be oh. even deeper. <laughs> uh, and, and and so even stronger prices you know, so so I always want to say there's a there's a lot of volatility from my low prediction to my high prediction, and I think futures markets actually are mimicking that right now, trying to find uh, what this year unfolds like. Interesting,
0: interesting. Okay, now a market that to me does make sense in its structure is the lean hog market. You got the February at 75 bucks, April at 86, May at 95, June at 103, July at 105. To me, that makes sense based on the supply trends that I, that I think are in this market.
4: Yes. I, I So I would tend to agree with you. I, I've been saying for a while, it seems like I've, I've been down this path of a lot of sideways in terms of, of production. So it was, I think we're going to get a little bit of growth this year, Chip, but it's going to be more on the productivity side, you know, not that we're building okay. additional sales at, at too many at this point in time. But uh, I, there's where I say I'm, I want to keep that demand side going. We've seen kind of struggle here out of the gate in, in 2023. And you look at those longer term futures contracts across there. And to me, they kind of spell that out for all of 2023. Of course, uh, you know, it doesn't take much like, uh, something like PERS to, to change our outlook here a little bit, but, uh, those seem to be where I would see that market going as we look through 2023.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it, well, the premium that we've got out in the summer month contracts almost makes me wonder if we don't have a little bit of, you know, some PERS issues already baked in there. Uh, and and some, some tighter pig supplies coming it, it, uh, It's a heck of a premium that we've got out there Um, on the demand side of things. The, the pork side of exports were kind of a a laggard, I guess I would say uh, through 2022 until we got to the final few months. Uh, Then things started to pick up again. Are you optimistic on export demand for pork in 23?
4: Uh, So, so optimistic. I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, overly optimistic setting here today. I, I don't okay. think we can repeat 2020 and 2021 kind of growth, right. but it would seem like to me, we have some opportunity. Um, of course, the one of the wild cards here on the tr- on the trade side will be China. You know, what's China really want at the end of the day? What happens as they kind of work through their more open COVID policy longer term? And what's that yeah. mean for, for port demand? going there. But, but I think we have an opportunity to see some, some growth in front of us uh, on, on the pork side this year, Chip.
0: Okay. When, when you think about the Chinese economy, because that does have a major impact on what their total consumption is going to be. I mean, if everybody's feeling good and, and, and happy about their job and we're out and about again, they're going to eat more. Um, The U S went through the surge in the economy coming out of the, the pandemic. China hasn't had the ability to come out of the pandemic yet. They're on the, the, they're taking their first few steps into it. Could there be a similar surge in China that kind of gives us another inflation ripple around the globe?
4: So I think that possibility exists. I'm, I'm, I guess right now I'm not so sure that we get the same kind of, of pop out of that as we got here in the United States at this point, Chip. But, uh, uh, to, to say they come out of, of their current uh, more open COVID policy, so hopefully once they get cases in, in better shape, that economy starts to grow. I, I do see positives happening there, and I think that's positive for both beef and pork trade out of the United States to China. Okay. All right. What's life look
0: like for a fair to finish operator?
4: I'm, I'm going to say this year's a lot more treading water, um, with feed costs where they sit. Uh, I I don't see uh, much other than just kind of setting on the line between a little bit of profitability and and some losses. Um, as we talked earlier, if we talk about feeding five dollar corn come July August, that world looks a lot better in my mind for producers you know you look back at you know what's kind of been driving markets i'll say corn prices have have mattered more than i would have thought Uh, and and so maybe we get better weather better yields and and we end 2023 in a much more positive situation than we start here
0: okay you know, we've talked about the variable, the the variability in feed costs quite a bit for both the cattle and the hog discussion today. Should a guy just I I mean, even with new crop futures at at just called six bucks and six seventy five on the on the oat crop, should a, you at least consider eliminating the variability and locking in a price?
4: Uh, so. <laughs> So, so I'm, a, I'm an economist, and I tend to be a little uh, a little too cautious at times. But I would certainly be paying attention to those opportunities, Chip. Uh, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to put everything in that basket, okay. uh, but I might want to lay some risk off. I, I so I'm not great at predicting weather. It, it sure seems like a lot of folks are suggesting we're headed for some better weather this year, and I hope that's the case. Yeah, and and I think. That, under that scenario, we all know we, we likely move corn prices lower. So I might want to protect a little bit against at least yeah. a portion of the crop against that uh, that outcome.
0: Yep. Yeah, I heard down at uh, New Orleans at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association meeting. Uh, Cattlefax was doing their outlook and included uh, something about La Nina getting kicked to the curb and moisture getting back into the plains. And I understand that 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 weather forecast got a round of applause from the <laughs> cattlemen in the room down there. That's how much of a focus there is, man.
4: Yes, for sure. And, and you know, we go back to cattle, cattle supplies for a minute. I just, it, it, it's important to remind us that, so ignore Texas for a minute. You just go Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. Those six states lost more beef cows in the last two years than the rest of the U.S. combined. Yep. Yep. Drought, drought mattered
0: there. Drought matters. That's exactly right. It is a weather market in the cattle industry. Scott Brown, University of Missouri. My friend, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chip. All right. We'll be right back to wrap it up.
2: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: We don't make the news; we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Chip? Yes. Flory with Davis Michelson here. Uh, it's a uh, two-three of twenty-three.
0: And it's three. It's on the positive side now, but it's still three. Oh boy, I'm up
1: to thirty-one. Up to thirty-one. Thirty-one.
0: Well, you know what? With the wind coming around and starting to blow in from the south, I mm-hmm. we, we could be 31 come tomorrow at this time, too.
1: I'm going to try something.
0: Okay. Uh, go ahead. The, uh, blow hard. The,
1: the pervasiveness of the uh, 23 figure here. <clears throat> I'm going to take 23 seconds and outline some of these significant happenings on February 3rd throughout history. Are you ready? I got Yes. I got to stopwatch right here. Here two, we go. In three, two, one. One. 1690, Massachusetts issued the first paper money in the American colonies. 1789, George Washington elected to serve as the first U.S. president by a unanimous vote in the first electoral college. 1895, sports ball player Babe Ruth was born. 1943, American middleweight boxer Jake LaMotta, the Bronx Bull, handed Sugar Ray Robinson his first defeat. 1945. Jamaican singer-songwriter Bob Marley was born. In 1959, Buddy Holly dies in a plane crash. Chip, that's what happened this day in history. Buddy
0: Holly, that's right. Oh my gosh.
1: I I can't leave it at that. 1964, the Beatles landed in New York City. We'll stop there.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll say I ran out of time. I mean, just down the road from us over here at Clear Lake.
1: Not far from there. Yep. No. Let's not forget the Richie Valens and the Big Bopper as
0: well. Folding money in the 1600s?
1: 1690, Massachusetts. Yep. Really? Yep.
0: And the old Bambino.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Babe Ruth, born yeah. today. Jake LaMotta, did you ever see Raging Bull? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to quote it. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I could have been a contender. How long did yeah. it take before they decided that, you know, hey, we could just keep printing this stuff and have more money?
0: Um, On February 4th. Yep. Yeah. February 4th. 1690. Wait a second. You he, he just you threw up We just doubled the <laughs> treasury. Holy smokes, this is crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we need more money. <laughs> Why didn't we think of this before? <laughs> I, Caesar Augustus. You got <laughs> to have print. You got to have folding money. Yeah. Well, it's all the rage. Uh you know, then imagine that Here's first the... guy
1: that that gets paid in paper money.
0: Huh? What, what am I supposed doing? to do with this? This can't be right.
1: Uh, we don't take paper money here. We only take chickens. <laughs> well, You're going to have come... to big...
0: Unless it's a big purchase, <laughs> then we can get the equine involved. Convert your
1: chickens to paper money. <laughs> uh, Scott Brown from the U of Missouri. Some great stuff there. I know you love to talk cattle, but let's talk about $5 corn. You threw that out there, not as a prediction, but just as sort of a scenario safe figure for the basis of conversation. Right. $5 corn works great for a cattle feeder, or pretty yeah. good anyway. Uh, not so much for the corn farmer in
0: 2023. No. No, and that's one of the things that we, that has been a theme of the corn marketing conversations this week. And, and and back even further than that, you know, if you push the numbers or put, get your cost figured out. Once you've got your cost figured out, decide just how badly you need to hold on to price risk
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we're sitting here just under seven bucks a bushel on the old crop and just under six bucks a bushel on the new crop. Um, if, if, if a 595 works for you on the new crop and, and puts money in your pocket may be considered laying off some of that risk. Um, it just, because, what what uh, what concerns me is that the bears gain the momentum in the market as we're heading into spring. If everything looks good and we've got this major trend change in the patterns from La Nina to La Nada to is El Nino out there someplace, then the the momentum is going to be really really tough to turn around because we're going to go from a good corn crop, or excuse me, a good bean crop. In Brazil, to the idea of a good bean crop in the US that's back to back good crops that fixes a lot of the problems on the balance sheet, both here and globally.
1: Um, Bread and corn was a topic of conversation. So let me flip the script. Uh, Let me flip Chori this. Would you rather have a pen full of steers? What'd you say, seven, eight hundred weight steers or a pen full of bread heifers to sell?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because and, and when I think about the the profit margin on those two, um, of course, you got to put a lot of work into them right now. And after I got to thinking about it, the timing on that was all off. You're not going to have a pen full of bred heifers at the end of June. You mm-hmm. might. I mean, but there's, what, 12%, 13% that are fall calves. No, it's more than that now. It's like 25% of the calves' calf crop comes in the fall. I got
2: it um, closer
1: to 22 but, yeah, okay, okay, for okay all, all right. intents and purposes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so you could have some bred heifers at the end of June for a fall calf crop maybe i should have said or a pen full or a couple of loads of first calf heifers with that calf by their side already um, boy if you had first calf heifers come the end of June and they start getting grass back out in the plains if if i'm strictly in it for the for the money the the right now money there's the top, there's the commodity first calf heifers uh it, that's that's a heck of a package here's a the thing heck of a package
1: it kind of sounds like there's a case to be made for higher beef prices i'm talking hamburger steak roasts if if herd rebuilding creates a beef hole did i hear that right
0: that's part of the 10 year cycle um we talk about mm-hmm. a 10 year market cycle a 10 year price cycle but the only reason that the 10 year price cycle is there is is because there is a cycle in the herd that also takes place. That last push to the upside in the cattle market comes because you take the females out of the slaughter mix and put them on grass and Mm -hmm. reduce your beef supply one last time. And it's that final reduction in the beef supply that drives you to that blow-off top where you finally start to do damage to the demand structure out there hmm. so yeah yeah very good very good it's a good talk. holy macro good talk we're out Scott of time
1: Brown. yeah that's all she wrote we're done
0: dude hey it's thank over. you so much for listening and special shout out josh i met you josh. yesterday up at wisconsin dells you made my day man thank you so much have a great weekend everybody this is Agritalk.